You're now listening to the Bar Stars Podcast, where we explore health, longevity, and performance. I'm your host, Edward Checo, and we'll be diving deeper into topics I've been studying for the last 10 years as a catastatics expert. Today, we have a special guest, Jessica, also known as Russian Red. She's a multi-talented athlete. She grew up doing rhythmic gymnastics at a very high competitive level, moved on to pole dancing and hand balancing, and then went on into calisthenics, where she won the street workout championship for the female division in 2015. In this episode, we talk about what's the best way to learn a handstand, how Jessica trained for the street workout world championship that she later went on to win, and her struggles growing up in gymnastics and the adversity she felt. All right, let's tune in. How are you doing today, Jessica? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? <laughs> Thank you Jess- for having me. Jessica, how would you describe your athletic talents? Because I had a hard time coming up with an intro because you're, you're so talented across so many different fields. Um, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But um, I basically have a background in rhythmic gymnastics. That's what I like started with when I was four. And then when I finished, I was like 17. After that, I kind of just like started to just experiment with things that I've always found like really cool, which was like hand balancing. That was like the first thing that I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this. So like I would start practicing handstands a lot. And then my friend showed me pole fitness. And like, I thought it was like really cool seeing girls like doing pole dancing as like, you know, an actual competitive sport. It was like really amazing to see how strong these women were. Um, So I started to do pole dancing and then I got into calisthenics and that's pretty much it. <laughs> and you, you won a, a world championship, right? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're too modest. All right, so let's take it back. So at what age did you start gymnastics? Um, I was like four. Yeah, that's when my dad put me into gymnastics, and I was, yeah, pretty much doing that until 17. And you competed like at a high level, right? Uh, yeah, I represented the U.S. I was national team three years. Um, yeah. That's huge. Thank you. <laughs> so, so what type of gymnastics you did? Rhythmic. All right, so for some people that might not know, I definitely know, but okay. some people that might not know, how do you des- describe so, rhythmic gymnastics? Uh, rhythmic and artistic gymnastics are two very different sports, and they're commonly, um, rhythmic gymnastics tends to be like commonly uh, mistaken for artistic, where it's like, you know, the balance beam, the bars, uh, flipping, like we don't do any flips in rhythmic gymnastics, we're not allowed to do any flips, uh, we do more like very extreme flexibility like contortion type with basically like ballet with uh, apparatus like wow i can't even speak right now but it's just like basically um extreme contortion with dance like you're performing with an apparatus which is hoop a ball clubs ribbon and a rope so you have to like basically learn all of those skills throughout your gymnastics career. So we would compete with all of them um, at some point. Usually when we, <clears throat> sorry, usually when we compete, it's like the, like we usually compete with just four apparatuses, not all five. And you get to pick the four? No, you don't. It's like every year um, it's picked for us. So it's like one year it's like ribbon, rope clubs and ball another year it's like without the rope or without the ribbon or without the clubs it's like switches on so how was training like a lot of stretching right yeah a lot of definitely a lot of like flexibility and mobility um 
we usually like <clears throat> do ballet every other day as well because it's like a lot of the bass is ballet bass um and dancing as well uh we do like a lot of apparatus work so it's like a lot of training with the equipment that we're going to be competing with um it's a lot of multitasking that's for sure because it's like you have to be able to toss the equipment and then do like three rotations or like a jump in the air and then catch it at the same time afterwards so it's you know it's very intense <laughs> yeah it, it takes yeah. it takes coordination for sure and how many hours would you train as when you did gymnastics um, it would vary. Uh, most of the time, it would be four hours, but there are days where we would train for five hours. So like on weekends, it would usually be five hours um, and during the weekday four because we have school. But like when I lived in Chicago during the summer, for example, we had two training sessions a day. So it would be like three to four hours in the morning and then three to four hours in the evening with like an hour to two hour break in between. Wow. Yeah. Were, you were in Chicago just for this or... Yeah, so I moved to Chicago for like two years um, to train for the Olympics. So basically, I um, was part of a team where we did synchronized gymnastics. So it was five girls on the carpet doing synchronized movements. Um, and we would travel to other countries to compete for like the World Cups and the World Championships. And then we had like qualification for the Olympics and we didn't make it, but that's still huge. Yeah. <laughs> Did the government pay for like your move um, to Chicago? So USA Gymnastics covered um, most of the expenses. So like they would pay for where I lived and they would pay for um, like they paid for everything except for like electricity and food. How old were you? I was 15, no, 14 at the time. And I went back to New York when I was 16. It was like a dorm with all the, the whole team? Uh, no, it was just I was living with one of my teammates. So it was like me and my teammate lived in a small apartment in Chicago. Yeah. Was it fun? Uh, it was fun, but it was very intense. <laughs> because it's like, you know, moving away from your family and living for two years in a different, you know, state and being so young and going to three high schools, it was like a big change for me. Um, and like sometimes missing two weeks at a time of school and like getting back and like trying to like get back to what you were learning. It's like, it was you, a lot. You missed the school because of the training? I would miss school because of the competitions. So like sometimes there would be two competitions back to back. So you would spend one week um, at one competition and then you would take a flight to the next competition so it'd be like two weeks out of school <clears throat> yeah was it hard to pass like that do they bring a tutor with you no it just you got to study by yourself while you're there so it was like you know you're focusing on school but you're also focusing on the competition so it would get like a bit intense it's a lot of responsibility for a teenager yeah i guess <laughs> do you what would you say that you had fun during that whole gymnastics uh, period of your life um I definitely had fun, um, but it was, it was a bit intense also, like, with just how extremely different it is, like, with your coaches, like, it was, um, it was, I was, like, with a brand new coaches, you know, I'm used to my old coaches in New York, so it's like, you go to a different state, you have different coaches, and um, they can get very extreme 
on you. So it's like uh, your self-esteem kind of drops. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some stories of like child gymnastics, how the coaches are like really, really tough. Yeah, it's like um, it's not like they're physically abusive or anything. Um, it's more of like emotional abuse and verbal abuse. But I mean, give an example. Um, just constantly saying something about like your weight, and it's like I understand like if the your weight is actually an issue. But, like, the way you say it or the way you approach it also matters considering, like, you're a teenager going through puberty. Um, so it's, like, they will... I've literally been told that um, I should put a lock on my fridge and stop eating. Or By your, by your coach? By my coach. Or and how old were you when you heard this? 15. Um, or, like, I need to stop, like, eating so much or, like, I look like a cow or, like, um, I'm three times bigger than last year, which is, like not true <laughs> but like i don't know it would get like they would they would say like meaner things like can't really think of them right now but like it would definitely um affect your self-esteem because you actually start believing that you're this kid who's like overweight but in reality you're nowhere near overweight so yeah that's intense yeah do they put you on a special diet to, or you're um, free to roam to eat what you want just You'll be discouraged verbally. I mean, they never um, would, like, actually, like, tell me exactly what to eat or anything like that. It was more about just, like, watch what you're eating. And it's like, okay, um, I'll try. But, like, me as a kid, like, oh, should I have a salad or should I just have this bar of chocolate so I can get some energy? And, of course, like, being a kid and not really, like, thinking, you know, how this is actually wrong of doing that like i would actually end up eating like just the chocolate bar and then it like messed up my entire diet growing up because now i'm like i have the same mentality i'm like i'd rather eat this chocolate bar like rather than having like an actual healthy meal and yeah so it's like it doesn't really benefit kind of ironic that they won't coach you like how to diet and then um, criticize you in the same aspect yeah i mean they've had um like i remember one time we were like um at an olympic training center so like a lot of times we would go to olympic training centers in lake placid or in colorado so i remember in lake placid they had like a dietitian actually come in and like give us um like information on how to like properly you know eat but a lot of the stuff that she would say was for a normal person um not for rhythmic gymnasts and rhythmic gymnastics it's very common for um, a lot of girls to be like underweight um, because we like like in many sports there's um, a specific look and in rhythmic gymnastics it's like you have to be very skinny tall like very lean legs like everything was just very like petite so for the diet that she was giving it's like 2,000 calories a day for us it was more of like you have to eat like 1,500 calories a day like we want you to look smaller. So it's not like anybody actually was allowed to follow the diet that was provided. Got it. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, the coaches would make faces when the dietitian would say, you guys can have some ice cream. And the coaches were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no, they cannot have ice cream. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Do you remember what you used to eat, like, in a, on a regular day? 
Oh yeah. Just give oh. us a, a random day. <laughs> would you? You okay? So like, I would wake up and have half a bagel with a cup of coffee, train four hours, have like, um, I remember I would go to like a store, like a I don't remember. I would just go to like the store and get like cosmic brownies. And like the honey buns, and I would literally get like two of those and eat those, and then <laughs> I would come back after my other training session and just have like cereal or just like a bunch of crap, like nothing that was actually going to help my body recover. It was just like empty calories, just a bunch of sugar. But you're training a lot of, so it's like four, eight hours a day you're training. Um, sometimes eight, sometimes seven, like depending, like sometimes it'll be three hours and three hours. Like it, it would depend on how long our coach would like want to keep us at the gym. Um, yeah. It's kind of crazy that you're competing at such a high level eating like honey buns. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> like I'm sure the other girls, they had like, you know, they were, a lot of the girls were also with their families. So like they had their parents, you know, make food. So like they always came home to like an actual dinner me i would come back and it's like you know i'd had to make food myself and i also don't really know how to cook like i only know how to make eggs or something so like i would be like ah fuck this i'll just like <laughs> eat a honey bun or like i'll eat chocolate or like everything that's just garbage <laughs> for your body especially when you're like an athlete yeah working training at like very intense yeah of course of course yeah all right so you did gymnastics since you were four to 17 you said mm-hmm and what made you stop? Um, so it's very expensive, like in the States. In Europe, rhythmic gymnastics is like very well known. It's like very popular. So there, a lot of times, everything is paid for and covered. Um, but when I came back from Chicago to New York, I stayed one more year to compete, but I had to pay for everything because now USA Gymnastics doesn't cover the expenses since I'm not really representing the US anymore. It's more about just me getting back to like competing, whatever. Um, so it was really expensive. And then on top of that, it was time to go to college. So it's like college or gymnastics, you know? So picked college. Do you have friends that still do it? Um, No, uh, usually like in rhythmic gymnastics, people quit fairly early. Like 20 is already considered like, wow, you're like old in rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> Um, like the oldest rhythmic gymnast, I believe, was like 28 when she quit because it takes a toll on your body. Like, you know, it's very extreme flexibility. Flexibility goes away with time. And especially when you've trained your whole life, it's like so many injuries, like so many athletes, like so many of the girls have back pain, hip pain, like because it's very like, you know, intense on the body. You have any lasting injuries from your gymnastics? Yeah, when I quit, I actually also quit because I had um, tendonitis in both of my hips. Like I was just in excruciating pain. <laughs> um, my last competition was like so painful. I was just like crying from how badly my hips were <laughs> just. Is it better now? Um, a little bit better now. Like I still feel the pain. Like I can't do, you know, very extreme splits because I start to feel the pain, but it's nothing compared to like my last year. As a gymnast, yeah. All right, so 17, you, you leave gymnastics. Is that when you started doing handstands? Um, no, I started handstands a year later. So I took like a year gap because once you quit, you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? 
like this was my entire life like this is all i've ever known was being a rhythmic gymnast and training hours and hours and hours my whole life so i took a year break i gained a lot of weight <laughs> um and then i was like all right time to give back so <laughs> i started going to the gym and literally just using the treadmill like i had no idea anything about weightlifting nothing um and then i was like all right, well, what do I want to do now? I'm like, I've always wanted to learn handstands. Like when I did rhythmic, I was able to hold a handstand for like maybe eight seconds maximum. Um, but like, it was only in like a scorpion position. Like I could never stand with my legs straight. Um, so I was like, why don't I work on that? Like might as well improve my handstand abilities for potential gigs in the future. So I started training handstands every single day. Is that day. the way you looked at it? Like, oh, maybe I could yeah. get really good at this and get good. Exactly. Like, I um, I was, like, a huge fan of Cirque du Soleil as a kid. And, yeah. like, my favorite, one of my favorite acts is when there's, like, the two acrobats doing handstands, like, on each other. I thought that was, like, the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. Like, I I wanted to get a one-arm handstand. That was, like, my dream. <laughs> so. So, you, so you're practicing at the gym now? Yeah, so now I'm, like, at the gym, so after I would run the treadmill, <laughs> I would go, like, into the studio, like, there's, like, this little studio, um, and just train handstands. For how long? An hour to two hours. Yeah, and how long were you on the treadmill? Um, I don't know, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what, what's your training for handstand? You just, like, kind of kick up and then just try so, to hold? Yeah, so, like, I would first warm up, like, I would spend the first 20 minutes literally stretching like, so that everything is, like, super bendy and warmed up. And then I would, like, literally just balance. Just, like, stand there and balance. And I would, like, do a scorpion. Then I would try, like, switching my legs and, like, just getting comfortable with, like, being able to control my body while moving around. Um, and, yeah, that's all I did for the first, like, couple of months. And then I gradually started to, like... Um, do like a straddle handstand and then like with legs together like legs together was like the hardest thing for me to learn at first because I got so used to always having my back bent so like no core was being really activated um, so when it was time to do like straight legs like you start using your abs and it was like okay I need to figure this out were people coming up to you at the gym um no not really at first no but then gradually when I started to like learn how to press handstand or like whatever, then people were like, oh, cool. Are you a gymnast? I'm like, yeah, but not the gymnast you think that I am. Like I didn't do handstands since I was five. So, so from that, you went into pole. What was next after the handstand? Yeah, after handstands, um, my friend showed me a video of like this girl competing in pole. And I was like, wow. That is so amazing. Like, I've never seen anybody do anything like that. It was, like, the coolest tricks I've ever seen. So I looked up a pole studio near my house, and there was actually one literally, like, three blocks away. I was like, no way. Like, I've walked by this studio, like, for a good, like, year, and I never knew it was a studio because it was on the second floor. So, like, it's like a small staircase up to the second floor. Um, but, yeah, I went with my friend, and we both tried it, and, like, we took um two classes back to back we were sore as hell the next day because <laughs> it's like extremely difficult um and yeah i started going like every other day what was sore um like the entire upper body and like 
your legs because like when you grip the pole you're using your muscles and your skin to grip so it's like you have a bunch of skin burns and also soreness in that area from like squeezing the pole so hard so and the upper body obviously because you're like trying to like pull yourself, pull yourself up. up yeah and when you don't really have much upper body strength it's like you obviously are going to feel it when you like did nothing but that for two hours straight makes sense makes sense yeah so then was you became a teacher at the pole studio right yeah so i like because i was going so frequently like i was starting to improve and i was like really like motivated it was like the first time i felt like a similar drive as i did as a gymnast because that's what i was like looking for i was like trying to find something that could like mimic the way i felt as a gymnast like having that motivation to like want to get something new so yeah i was going like every day and then you still doing handstands or did you give yeah i still i was still doing handstands at the gym like i'd still go to the gym but like now i have like a new thing to like obsess about so you're going to the gym in the morning and then post studio after no it would be like um i had at the time i was going to school so like i'd go to school go to the pole studio after the pole studio go to the gym because the gym closes at 11 so like i had like i would go at 9 p.m and stay till 11. you feel like your gymnastics background gave you that kind of workout ethic oh yeah definitely because like, like, people start working out now and they have a really hard time getting an hour oh yeah no you're getting in like three four hours yeah definitely um like with my entire like background as a rhythmic gymnast it helped me for sure, because it's like the dedication that you pick up from like doing rhythmic gymnastics for so long, like it translates into like your daily life. Like even with school, like you work hard because you're just used to working hard. That's really cool. So like in school, you would focus super hard just yeah, based because, off you've done it your whole life pretty much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and because like if you think about it, like I would go to school in the morning and then I have a four hour training. Um doing gymnastics it's like you're forced to like pace yourself because like you come home you're tired but you still have homework to do so it's like you you learn kind of how to like push past you know the tiredness and like get your work done all right so you're a teacher at the pole studio you're doing handstands and you said you gained some weight are you have you lost the weight at this point or are you still Um, at the same weight so while i was pole dancing um i did lose a bit of weight but not like substantially I would say um it took me i think maybe like six or seven months to like lose more weight but i still wasn't like defined or anything it was just like i was gaining strength and it was kind of like replacing some of the fat that i put on yeah so then from teaching at pole you got into calisthenics right so yeah my boss my from like the pole studio invited me to go to coney island and the bar setup was there she had a friend who did bar tricks and like I think he was like part of the circus or something and he was visiting so he like wanted to like play around on the bars and she invited me so he was doing like i think he was doing like back levers actually and like other stuff i wasn't like i don't remember exactly what he was doing but it was cool so like he taught me like a trick or two on like the small bar at at coney island that's the first time i seen you i was going to like the instagram hashtag and i seen uh you like doing a, a back lever maybe split like it, was, yeah, it, wasn't it was a like traditional the one arm yeah bendy version exactly exactly yeah that was the first <clears throat> time i did anything on the bars all right so then you you left and then did it stay with you or you're like oh you know yeah i mean then one of the um guys from the show-offs team 
contacted me and he said, hey, like we actually train like calisthenics, like we do this regularly. You would you like to come join us and like learn some of the stuff? I'm like, okay, I'm down to learn. And at this point, you had no calisthenics training. No. But you still did the handstand, the pole, and the regular. Yes. So you're gonna pick up a third fitness hobby. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. And these and these guys train all the way in the Bronx, and you're in Coney yeah. Island. So if you guys aren't from New York, that's like an hour commute, hour and a half. Hour and a half. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm lucky, an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> but still, that's like <laughs> iron dedication. Yeah, I literally went like five times a week. Like I would go, pretty much every single day except for. The weekends and how often are you so you're training calisthenics five days a week how often are you training pole um so like i taught pole in the morning so i think i train i would train pole like twice a week or three times a week at that point like i wasn't going as regularly because it was obviously time consuming um and since i was teaching there two to three times a week that would be like the only times i would train it so like i teach it and then i'd stay for like an hour or two and train and then sometimes i'd go to the gym after and like do other stuff you would you know? go to the gym after pole yes and then still go to the bronx to train calisthenics yes that's insane yeah <laughs> um but what were was... you eating I, i'm guessing you're like destroying calories at that point because it's a lot so, of working out yeah that was like a time when i actually was getting into like the best shape of my life because i was starting to gain muscle in ways that i've never gained muscle like it was nice to see like my body transitioned so drastically that at the time it kind of freaked me out because I'm like, oh my God, muscles, no. <laughs> but then like gradually I was like, wait a second, I really love these muscles. Like this is so cool. Like I didn't know like my back could look this way. So what I ate um, at the time because I was so dedicated, I did change my diet and I was like, no more cookies, no more this, no more that. But like I would eat mostly a bunch of eggs and protein shakes and I don't know just I just tried to eat clean you didn't really you weren't like too strict but you try to emphasize protein um yeah I emphasized protein but I was like strict with not allowing myself to have as much sweets as I was accustomed to like used to how long did that last like a year two years a year and a half did you just have a whole bowl of sweets at the end of that? or? No, it was just like, I was slowly starting to lose motivation. So I would start to like, go back to my old ways, my old habits and start binge eating. That's like my common thing is like, I binge eat, I'm like an emotional eater. So <laughs> I just like eat all the time. And then it's always like bad. It's not like I'm eating actually healthy food. It's just like, there's no fun in health. No. Yeah, no, no, seriously, it's not. It's like, I'm not going to have a cucumber. I'd rather have like... This is not what I need right a now. A cake, <laughs> yeah. My feelings are hurt. Yeah, I need a pint of ice cream <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, so we'll get back to the diet. So yeah. eventually you win the 2000... What year was it that you won the, the Street Workout World Championship? 2015. 2015. And it was a tough competition. It wasn't an easy win. It was a lot of high-level athletes there. Yeah, I was sure. there because... Uh, the reason I say that is because when it, like female calisthenics took off, it was kind of like a slow. Yeah. By the time you got in, though, it was it was really tough athletes and it was a tough competition. Yeah, for sure. Um, how did did you change your training for that? Did you train more intensely at that point? You dropped pole or no? Um, no, I didn't drop because like I'm still teaching, so like I would still train afterwards. Like all of my videos in like the red studio, that's the pole studio. So like I always still trained on the pole. 
So even though you're competing at this like global championship, you still yeah, I still train. <laughs> you still yeah. had a side hobby to your training. Yeah, that's cool. And also because I incorporate pole into the calisthenics, like why would I drop it if it's gonna help me, um, you know, in the competitions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I don't remember if I trained more intensely. I think I was like, well, yeah, definitely I was training more intensely. Like I was obviously very nervous because it's like. This is my first competition and it's the world championships and I've only been doing calisthenics for like eight months. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, it was like eight months, like maybe nine months, I don't know, but definitely wasn't a year of calisthenics. So I was training like the same thing, like four hours, but it was like more um, because like the competition was like you have a minute to do basically like a full performance in a sense, right? Or was it was two it minutes? One minute? I feel like it was two minutes. Two minutes. My apologies. I, I really don't remember. Um, yeah, so it was like, I basically came up with like two um, routines, I guess. And I just like trained the same like combos over and over and over to the music. Would you time yourself? Like, so it's two minutes? Yeah, and timed myself, yeah. So like, um, because it's hard to do like back-to-back everything, like I would time how long I'm allowed to have rest before i continue with the how did combos. you how to you determine your rest just how you fell or um also what you like think the audience would get bored no i was it was also like um musically as well like whenever like the beat would go up or like you know the beat would drop whatever um that's when i, I knew i had to do a combo and when there was like in the in between i would like rest for a few seconds and then go and do another combo to like the beat drop so that's kind of how I do it. Got it. So it. you 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 plan your performance kind of like with the music choreograph. Yeah. Yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess it's also like something that just comes from like rhythmic gymnastics because you have to be like musically, um, just like adapt to the music. You have to make sure everything like matches the music perfectly. Are you allowed to pick your own music and? Uh... Um, sometimes, but a lot of times the coach ends up <laughs> choosing the song that they want us to use. Got it. Yeah. So your performance at the Street Workout Championship had dynamic movements and statics, right? Yeah. Do you train those in different segments or you just train them throughout the whole, like in the format of a competition style, like two minutes, then we do these dynamics and then go into statics? Um, I remember like it would just be like an hour or two of dynamics followed by statics. Like statics would be saved for like the end. And then dynamics would be more to, like in the beginning of the training session. But like it wouldn't be like two minutes of dynamics and then like go straight to statics and two minutes of dynamic. It would just be like focus more on dynamic right now and then go to like the statics later. That's a better way. Yeah. Which one you found more difficult? Personally, dynamic because I have like a hard time catching the bar out of like fear, which is like stupid. I don't know. It's like yeah. it's like a mental block. Like, I know I have the move, but I just can't commit to, like, catching the bar. Yeah. And uh, you pulled the straddle planche, right? Uh, at the competition, I did straddle planche. How do you train for that? That one was with... Um, I did, I remember... Um, and, and you weren't able to planche before, ever, right? Oh, no, absolutely not. It's a skill you picked up that year? Yeah. Um, it was, we were using the resistance bands and we would put the band where the hips were and then we would um, basically be underneath the bar doing like tuck planche push-ups and then slowly open up into like a straddle 
and then do like straddle planche push-ups but like with the resistance band yeah, holding course. like the hips up um and then gradually i started training for me personally it was easier to do a planche so like doing a handstand straddle and slowly lowering down versus just like popping into it because i personally feel like that was so much harder for me i think um, everyone it's always easier coming down from a yeah. high point yeah so I just practice that like every day and like I would even practice that at the pole studios like after teaching like I would literally just like spend the time like working on the planche. Um, How many yeah. different like mini planche sessions did you have throughout the day? Um, Like I mean two like if I did it after the pole studio training and then like when I would go train with the show offs like I would train with them um, and they also like helped me get stronger with um like everything calisthenics by incorporating weight training like by doing things like deadlifts for example like that strengthened my lower back so like that made the planching a lot you know not easier but like you know easier than if i didn't yeah, have yeah, any of course, of course. core strength yeah um and like a lot of shoulder exercises like doing shoulder presses because like your shoulders are activated so much in planche that yeah, so weight training also substantially, like, improved. Helped. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward to today. What's your training like now? After all of you learned throughout your life and personal experiences, <laughs> what, do you, what do you feel like were the good um, things you've done in the past and what are the bad things you've done? And, yeah, what do you do today? Um, I'm definitely, like, disappointed in myself for, like, um, basically, like, I tend to lose motivation and when I lose motivation, I stop training. Once I stop training, I lose a lot of what I've gained. And then, like, I have a hard time getting back into it. So, like, I'm disappointed in myself for, like, giving up so often throughout this, like, journey. Like, I literally have, like, two months where I'm, like, super active, training hard, like, pushing myself, getting stronger and better. And then I have, like, the next six months is just, like, a mess. I'm just not doing anything just like sitting at home eating my pint of ice cream a day and not really being physically like active well i mean i am physically active like i'm always training like i'm always either doing like weights or like you know handstands or something or pull but like i give up on like the training that i had like in the beginning which was like way more intense well it's hard to manage time wise you know as you get older you get more responsibilities huh yeah that's true but um, I think it also, like, I feel like I just don't feel as dedicated to the sport because it's like, um, I think maybe for me it was also because I wasn't competing anymore. It's like, well, what am I doing this for? Like, why did you stop competing? Um, I wasn't really, um, getting invited anymore. Um, at first I was, but it was difficult because, you know, they would say, We'll cover your flight. We'll cover the expenses. But when they ask where I'm from, I say New York. They're like, oh, that's too expensive. Yeah, it's us. expensive flight. Yeah. So immediately I have to cover all the expenses. Well, how about local competitions? There's also like local ones like uh, Call Out and. Oh, I judge the Call Out. Well, how about. Uh, <laughs> but there's other ones. There's other ones out inside the country where it's just. Uh, um, yeah, I don't get invited to like Battle of the Bars or anything like that. I. you never been? I've only been invited one time, and that's when I battled Melanie in um, England, in the UK. Got it. Yeah, and then after that, like, I never heard from 
at all the bars again. So you would compete if someone invited you? Um, I would if it's possible for it to be covered. Like if it's here in the States, like if I really like want it, I will pay for the flight. But like I just graduated college. So it's like I all my money. Thanks. Well, not just like last year, <laughs> but you know, when I was in college, it's like you pay for your tuition. Like I paid for all of my semesters. No, I told you, mate. It has to make sense. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, I'm willing to compete, but like I don't really have the money right now to be spending because I'm giving you. it away to college. I think everyone out there understands that. Yeah. So it was tough and it like kind of made me lose motivation because now it's like, you know, I can't compete unless I pay for um, my flight to Europe. Um, so it was kind of tough. On me so i started to like give up on myself and lose motivation and not want to train anymore and i'm like what's the point like i don't get to do anything anymore um but i do love judging that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> i really enjoy judging do you find it hard judging yeah. um it depends uh because like certain um not brands what am i talking like for example, like WSWCF yeah, has WCO. different... Oh, judging criteria. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like you're either judging one criteria, which is dynamic or static, or you're judging all of them. And then like based on what the judges like scores are together or something like that. Like, so it gets kind of tricky. What's your preferred method? I like it when there's a judge for each thing because I feel like it's too much. Like it gets a bit overwhelming when you have to like watch all the statics, watch all the dynamic, watch all the style, watch all like, I can say like gender, like an overall thing. I'll be like, yeah, that was like an eight, but like, that's not really super fair. Cause it's like, you got to count how long the static was. And if that static counted, you got to see like the dynamic. And if it was like actually clean or like if they caught it or if they fell. So it gets a bit like overwhelming, but I can understand like why I guess. Because maybe it's not fair if it's just one person judging dynamic because that's just from that one person's point of view. Yeah. I so, always I always have trouble thinking about it. Yeah. I like, so I, like, I like overall sometimes. Yeah. But then I, I do get your point where it is it does help to have someone hyper-focused. Yeah. But I've seen sometimes like people would win. Like, like they'll be really good at this specific thing and it kind of mm -hmm. overshadows the mess-ups everywhere else. Yeah. It's tricky. I feel like yeah. judging isn't perfect. Yeah. And there could be some adjustments. It's I just hard, yeah. I just don't know what they are. Yeah, so, like, you know, I I understand, the, like, everybody's, like, method, but it does get hard. Yeah. So. All right, so what's your advice for someone who wants to learn to handstand at home? Do it every single day. Well, let's be very clear first. <laughs> like, what are some, some major accomplishments you have with the handstand? You could do a one-arm handstand, right? Um, Kind of, I suppose. And how, have you ever timed how long you could hold a handstand for? Um, I the longest was a one-arm handstand for 21 seconds on canes. That's amazing. On canes. <laughs> it's easier Is it easier on, on canes? canes? Yeah. Because you could grip. Yeah. On the floor, I believe my longest was like 15 seconds. All right, yeah. back. So give us the advice. Uh, all of all us right. who want to learn handstands out there. So I think like um, a common thing I notice is like I will have people send me um, DMs saying, how do I learn a handstand? Well... The way that I learned a handstand was I actually went onto YouTube and I searched up like, you know, drills and like ways to learn handstands at home. And basically like... YouTube.com <laughs> official bar stars. <laughs> official bar stars. Exactly. There you go. Like there's so much out there. Like I 
keep like telling people that there's literally so much information out there if you actually took the time to just look like just go on youtube and type in like progressions for a handstand and there's like literally like pages pages of people giving you like some really great advice i'm not saying all the advice is necessarily like you know legit but like there's definitely so much out there and i'm sure you can find if that person is like a credible person um or like a reliable person to watch um but one thing i will definitely say stop doing handstands like facing like i don't know how to say it. like basically like with kicking your back up against like, the wall yeah you prefer the other way with your face to the wall. Yeah, because when you're kicking up and your back is to the wall, like facing the wall, you're constantly like arching your back and not really using your core. So you get used to doing the banana handstand. And that's like not the best handstand that you would want to like start off with. Um, so if you turn around and face the other way and get yourself as close to the wall as possible and then keep your stomach in and... Um, try to get your feet off the wall like it will force you to be straight so it's like in my opinion a better way to like get better at you know handstands um and then of course just practice like i think people think you're gonna get it in like a week or a month and it's like no that takes literally months if not years of to training, actually of practicing it daily yeah exactly like you know, if you want to learn a scorpion handstand, you can start with a scorpion handstand. That's fine. But literally to catch balance, it just takes practice. Like I had no idea what I was doing learning a one arm handstand, but like just by constantly practicing it, I gradually started to understand how I'm supposed to like balance and like keep my stomach in and I would watch videos and I would get tips from other people. So it's like it just took time. I think people just don't have patience. The secret sauce, time. <laughs> it's just like a literally <clears throat> just time and patience and just be dedicated and do it every day. And like go on YouTube. Trust me, there's so much stuff out there to like get you to do your handstands. I am yeah. loving the YouTube plug. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Jessica, where can people learn more about you? And uh, what do you have to offer? And I mean, you do training in New York City, right? Um, I'm a calisthenics instructor at Brooklyn Zoo. And uh, not Brooklyn. an actual zoo. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us what Brooklyn Zoo is? It's like a oh, it's just a giant like parkour slash ninja warrior slash God knows what. It's like a really just big gym for people to come and just. Do you teach classes or just one on one? Or um, both? I just teach classes. I mean, I can do one on one if anybody wants a private, but I teach the calisthenics class. Yeah. When, what time and what time and what place? I mean, we got the place, Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah, Brooklyn Zoo. And day? Six to seven is beginner. Seven to eight is mixed level. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Perfect. Yeah. And we can follow you at Russian Red. Yes. Russian.r3d. <laughs> the word Russian, dot R, the number three. D. And the letter D. Yeah, because Russian Red was taken. <laughs> That's messed up. You, de you, you deserve Russian red. Properly spelled. Aw, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day and peace. Thank you for having me. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, take a quick second to head over and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps with the share and the algorithm to get us to the top and get us more eyes so we can help change more people's lives. Thank you very much. Your help is always appreciated.